Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Amen. Well, Christian, welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. This is our final recap on the book of Romans. I'm glad you're here today. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Christian, it's hard to imagine that we are in episode, this will be number 20 concerning the book of Romans. And I feel like as we went through this book, it has truly been a blessing. Uh, There's so much deep truths in the book of Romans, so much crystal, so much wonderful Christian uh, truths and experiences that I felt like it would be an injustice if we didn't try to tie this all together. So today, you know, I just want to kind of Go back through the book of Romans, try to see if we can see the overarching picture in the entire book. So if you're okay with that, I think we can start from the beginning. But before we start, any particular things you want to say, Christian? Um, Just say I've also enjoyed getting into this book. And you're right, it's it's such a complete picture. It's 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 such a full picture of uh, our individual and eventually our corporate Christian experience. And uh, it's so helpful. So many, of the, so many of the topics covered in this book, so helpful to us um, in, in so many ways. Amen. Amen. Well, what I'll do, Christian, is I'll pick out some of these key verses that we kind of went over during the, the Romans podcast. And we can just fellowship and see what the Lord brings out. Uh, and I will start with actually Romans 1.15. And this is the Apostle Paul starting out with a letter to the Romans saying, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And I think we spent a lot of time on this strong initial point in defining what is the gospel. Um, I think to most of our Christian listeners who haven't listened to, to the entire podcast, the word gospel instantly makes our mind think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the gospel uh, that describes our wonderful Lord Jesus, his human living on the earth, um, his death, his resurrection, his crucifixion, his ascension, right? This is a wonderful, glorious um, picture and story of God becoming a man to all the way down to reach us, to reach us in a poor situation. But usually then our concept is like, well, that's the gospel. And then everything else is everything else. But Paul here is saying that Romans is a gospel. In fact, some Christian scholars call the book of Romans the fifth gospel. Um, and I, I just want to open the floor to you, Christian. Why is this so important? Why do we have to see this? Well, like you're saying, um, you know, maybe when, when I was first saved and a young believer, when I heard about the gospel, it was primarily those 
first four books of the New Testament, right? Um, but even the first part, verse of the book of Romans, um, Paul, when he's writing this letter to the, the, the church in Rome, to the Roman believers, he calls it the gospel of God. And he, he calls it my gospel. And, you know, in the verse he just read, he's talking about announcing the gospel to you. And so, so what, I guess, I, I, I'd like to say, you know, what is, what's the definition of the gospel? Maybe we can backtrack there. Like, gospel literally means good news. Good news, right? Good news about what, though, right? So there's a lot of great news about what the Lord did, definitely. Um, in the, the first four books of New Testament, um, what the Lord did for us, what the Lord did uh, throughout his life, those are all great news. Um, but Paul here, he's continuing to give us uh, great news um, for our Christian life. And this is, I would argue, possibly more applicable to us believers now than just hearing about what the Lord Jesus did during his life. Um, yes, that's very important and, and, and very, you know, very much something that we, we enjoy, but, uh, you know, to talking about practicality in our, our daily Christian life now, 2000 years later, after the Lord have been walking around the earth, what does it look like today? And the book of Romans still continues to uh, be that, have that kind of uh, applicability us yeah christian you know as you were speaking i was just thinking you know when the lord was on the earth uh they asked the lord what is the greatest commandment right and the lord says you shall love your god with all your heart right love the lord your god with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your strength and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? And as a good Christian, I'm like, okay, we need to follow these two rules. So I'm going to do my best. And if any person has tried to do those two things throughout Christian history, 2,000 years of Christian history, we start realizing that how in the world are we supposed to do that? You know, we fail over and over and over and it's like you said, without the book of the book of Romans tells you how right? the book of Romans opens the key to how to live the practical Christian life today. Um, and I'll tell you right now, it's not by effort. Uh, by our human effort, we fail more times than not. And in fact, let's actually go in that direction. You know, in Romans 1, the rest of the book of Romans, as well as up to Romans 3, we see essentially two big categories. Uh, one, essentially, Paul was painting of people that just did not care about God's existence, right? So we have this wonderful God, uh, wonderful Lord Jesus, and there are people, uh, especially here in Romans one twenty one, it says, for all that they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So Paul's painting a pretty dark background. And essentially, you can almost say our situation today is the same. There's just a lot of people, even if they knew God existed, purposely turned away from God. Right. But, you know, speaking of effort before. In Romans 2, up to the pretty much the beginning of Romans 3, we see some people that realize, you know what? 
I want to love God. You know, I want to follow the Ten Commandments. I want to be a good person uh, and try to do my best to follow God's law. And Romans 2 and 3 essentially chose our epic failure of trying to fulfill God's law by our own effort. Right. Um, But uh, it culminates here in Romans 3.20. It says, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And let's pause here for a second, Christian, because, again, I thought I think we brought this out in our podcast. What was the purpose of the law? Right. We, we talk about, well, God gave us a law, so obviously we should keep it. But Paul's word here concerning the law in Romans three is very different as far as the function of the law. Yeah, this is a this is a really really big point. Um, you know, what is the law, and what is the purpose of the law? And um, like that ver- in that verse you just read from Romans three, right? Through the law is the knowledge of sin. And Paul again echoes that kind of function of the law in his entire book of Galatians. He's fighting in that book. Uh, there to help get the the Jewish believers out of their Jewish law-keeping mentality to eventually find Christ. Um, But, right, so the law, one function, according to the word, is, is to expose that we have sin. If we did not have the law, we could live our entire lives. You know, if we didn't have any rules, we didn't have any laws, we could live our entire lives and we would have no uh, understanding of right or wrong. We wouldn't have any understanding of sin, right? So that's essentially a, a function of the law. The law came, what, 400 years later than God's original promise. Um, so it was never God's original intention that we would be law keepers. Right. We, we mentioned back in the Genesis podcast, God doesn't open up the story with the Ten Commandments in the Garden of Eden. He opens up himself as a tree, right? a tree as fruit to give himself to man, to be man's everything, to be our everything, to be food to us. Right. Um, but, you know, of course, you know, man fell and the law was needed to come in to show us as a race and as individuals, man, something's wrong, <laughs> right? Something's wrong. And hopefully, as Paul says in the book of Galatians, the law would be a child conductor that would bring us to Christ. And um, I think that's my favorite function of the law. Um, it brings us to Christ eventually. Yeah. Amen. Well, and, I, and again, I think this is all our experience, you know, going back to, um, you know, the, the example I gave of the Lord Jesus telling us to love God with essentially our entire being. We try and try, but that word from him actually exposes us that we can't do it that we can't keep it, 
that essentially we can try to save ourselves, but we we just can't. We don't have the capacity, right? Uh, but praise God, that's exactly what the law was there to do: was expose that we cannot uh, please God, we cannot satisfy God. But praise the Lord, there was one who can, right? Uh, here in Romans three twenty four, it says, "Being justified freely by His grace." through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. So while we in ourselves are short in salvation, the Lord is not. The Lord accomplished an awesome redemptive work, uh, which was portrayed in the four gospels, right? We see that God did not, um, did not hold on to staying in eternity, Right, hold on to staying in his high position, but he actually humbled himself. Right, became a man. It says in Philippians, oh, sorry, in Hebrews, he he became even a slave to serve man, and through his wonderful redemption, um, we are now reconciled to God. You know, I, I'll bring this this verse out here in Romans five ten. It says, "For if while we were enemies." We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. I mean, that is such a wonderful feeling that we no longer have any hindrance between us and God. And I think um, as a Christian, that should be a thousand hallelujahs, right? Like, hey, we're not stuck separated from God anymore. We, our sins are forgiven. We're washed. We have access unto God, right? But I actually want to, uh, keep going because here in Romans 5.10, which is what I was reading, the second half of the verse, it says, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved in his life. And I, and I think the book of Romans is so good at, ex- at explaining that second part. You know, you read the four Gospels and it'll bring you to such a wonderful uh, appreciation of the Lord's redemptive work. But once you're saved, you confess your sin, you're baptized, then you start wondering, okay, well, am I just going to wait until I die and go to heaven? <laughs> you know, I, I'm, you know, I got saved when I was a teenager. You know, the average life expectancy in the U.S. is 70. So for the next 60 something years, am I just going to wait and just do what I want to do or try to be good, even though we proved in the first few books of Romans that we couldn't be good? Uh, and I appreciate this matter of much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved in his life. And this really is a kernel that the book of Romans really develops. So, Christian, do you want to bring this matter out concerning what does it mean to be not just redeemed and reconciled, but to be saved in his life? Yeah, um, you know, we we can't. We, we never look down and we should never forget what the Lord did for us on the cross. I mean, goodness, uh, remembering what the Lord has done for us, redeeming us. Um, it's, it's such an awesome thing. Um, but like you're saying, it's, it's not just redeeming us from an eternal fate of struggling in the lake of fire. Yes, that's true. Um, but you know what? It redeems us from a condition of separation from God in the present. Um, like you're saying, it brings us back to God. We've been 
we've been brought to a position by that redemption where we're able to have fellowship with God again. And there's some really awesome pictures. The, the propitiation table um, that's mentioned in Romans 3. But yeah, uh, the second half of Romans 5.10, much more we're saved in his life. This is, uh, this is one of my favorite subjects. Saved in his life. This is a, a matter of life. Life, 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 life. And this is very practical and very present. Again, this is not some salvation that affects us after we die. This is a, a present salvation in life. Day to day, moment by moment, morning by morning, evening by evening, whenever by whenever, there are times that we need to be saved in, in his life, by his life, through his life, with his life. We just, we need life. There's, uh, there's so much death. Um, there's just so much death, spiritual death, physical death, psychological death surrounding us, in us. And uh, so we, we desperately need <laughs> the salvation um, in, in life. And uh, this is, this is uh, um, something that the Lord, the second part, in a sense, of what the Lord did on the cross, right? He, he did die as a lamb to redeem us. But uh, John 12, 24 says he died as a grain of wheat. And unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. But if it does, if it does die... That seed, that grain, as it falls into the earth and its shell breaks open, it, it releases the life. So on the cross, the Lord, he released his divine life. That was, uh, that was in his human shell. And um, that life was finally able to reach man, as originally intended in the, in the Garden of Eden. So... Um, the Lord took care of the problems that separated us. The Lord also um, provided the life to get to us. Uh, so, so we have access to that now. Amen. Well, Christian, I was just, again, thinking of, you know, when the Lord Jesus was on, the, on earth and John, it says, John 10, it says that the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? That, that Satan's job is to kill, right? Destroy, uh, essentially cause death everywhere. Um, but the Lord says, I have come that they may have life. Um, and the word life there is actually, the Greek word is actually zoe, which is God's uh, uncreated divine eternal life. Now, you could take that verse and say, think of it, okay, well, that just means when I die, I have eternal life, right? I'm not going to die. Uh, but in the context of the book of Romans, what, the, what Paul is saying here is, is the Lord, when he says he wants to give you life, he, he's talking about giving you life right now, right? Giving you life abundantly right now. And this is so practical because this is, 
And this is not theoretical. This is not like Paul is trying to teach a, a theology class about what does it mean to have life? You know, Romans 8 actually further bestows that. What does that mean? Um, I'll just read this, uh, this verse here. Um, uh, in Romans 8, 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. You know, so here's that word life again. And I, and I like what you, brought, you, what you brought out, Christian. You know, when the Lord died on the cross, two things happened, right? There is the redemption of, our, of us from our sin. So I've read in commentary, they call that judicial redemption, right? And we all appreciate that. That is a marvelous aspect of our salvation. The other part of our salvation, though, is here in Romans 5, what we just read in Romans 8, and they call it uh, organic salvation, right? So speaking of life, so when you hear the word life, you think organic, organism, right? Well, one way I've heard of people raising it is organic salvation. During your time left here on the earth after you're saved, God is saving you, right? Uh, not just, you know, from the lake of fire like we brought out, but saving you from your temper, saving you from your uh, your thoughts, saving you from your personality. I mean, if you think about it, Christian, if, if I could live forever, but I'm still me, I don't know if I want that. You know, I have so many faults and you're kind of like, Lord, you want to take all these faults and just make it last eternally? That sounds kind of, uh, it does not sound very pleasant. Um, but the Lord, the Lord right now is dealing with our, again, our bias, right? Our preferences, um, our just everything that does not match him, God's life is dealing with. God's life is saving. And, and we're turning here in Romans 8, Christian, this all happens in the spirit. And I think we really brought this out. I think we actually had three podcasts on Romans 8 concerning this matter of what is the spirit? You know, as growing up as a Christian, to me, the spirit just sounds like some kind of nebulous thing floating around. Or maybe in the book of Acts, when I hear the word spirit, I just think, oh, fire coming from heaven as tongues and people start acting crazy and, you know, all this stuff. But in Romans 8, what Paul here is saying is, and I'll read this verse. Um, it says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you so the spirit is not something that comes out and just like explodes and lights you on fire and all this stuff but the spirit is god dwelling in us and that affects our daily living that saves us from ourselves right so i don't know if you want to develop that a little bit more christian yeah that's um romans 8 is like it's been described as the diamond on the ring of the Bible. Um, you know, talking about the spirit, um, you know, Romans 8, 16, first, I, I feel like I should men mention, you know, what, what is the spirit? What are we talking about the spirit? It's maybe not well understood, but we can go to the word, right? Romans 8, 16, um, it says, the spirit witnesses with our spirit 
that we are children of God. So we see there's this, there, there is the divine Holy Spirit, but each one of us, each man, we have our human spirit. Um, and I think we've talked about that before, you know, even mentioning verses like 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.23, may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete. So we have, we have a spirit, an organ to contact God, who is, who is spirit also. And the amazing thing, whether you can understand or I don't know if I can really understand it, but the word says it. So amen. The spirit dwells in us, the spirit, the Holy spirit dwells in our spirit. And and even um, Paul, he starts interchangeably using the spirit and then the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And then he eventually says, Christ dwells in you. Christ is in you. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead, right? I think that's Romans 8.10. So is the spirit in us? Is Christ in us? Is is the father who's the, the, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, is he in us? Yes. <laughs> yes. That we how? I I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> but the word says it. The word says it. Um and goodness, if we just if we eat that word, we start declaring that divine fact in your day, Christ is in me. In this situation, Christ is in me. Think about how that would change that situation. Um, like you're saying, I'm maybe I'm about to lose my temper or do something. Actually, way before that happens, I need to have some realization, some some eating, some chewing on Christ is in me. That that'll make a big difference, right? Um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh- no, that, that's exactly right, Christian. I mean, the the implications of having God dwell in you are are monumental. I mean, it should change. It changes how we view everything. You know, when you're speaking, um, or me, when I'm taking care of patients, my view should not be, well, I just need to figure out what's the best practice or what kind of motivational interviewing technique I need to do to best make this person do what I want him to do. You know, the, the view should be, I'm a vessel and God is dwelling in me and God is the great physician. And I just need to learn to let him take care of this patient before me, right? That it might be subtle. And again, the outcome might be the same. I've, I might still write him cholesterol medicine or I might still write him blood pressure medicine, but you start realizing it's a different person that is in charge. It's a different person on the throne. And this is what we talk about earlier as this is salvation. This truly is salvation. When we learn to not follow our own opinions, not follow our old man or not follow our flesh, but to follow the spirit, not just like the Lord sent us a letter and said, you need to go to this street and talk to this person. Not like that, but 
um, you could be standing in a grocery line and the Lord just nudges you and says, you know, <laughs> tell that person, thank you. You know, something so normal that we're like, oh, yeah, of course, we're going to say thank you. But you start realizing that you're following the sense of the spirit inside versus even just what your culture taught you or even what you think is the right thing to do. Anyway, this is truly magnificent. And like you said, Romans 8 brings us out. And then even I just love this verse here in Romans 10. Uh, it says, the same Lord, this is Romans 10, 12, the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches to all who call on him. You know, practically, what does that look like? And in me, in my experience, it looks like me calling on the Lord Jesus. You know, like uh, most of the time we're like crying out to God in our difficulties, right? And that's all, probably the only time we cry out to him. But in our successes, you know, in our victories, in our, in our everyday living, we don't have to wait to call on God in church on Sundays only or on Wednesdays only. You know, before I'm about to discipline my child, and this is real talk, I can say, Lord Jesus, save me. Right? I don't want to discipline my children out of anger or out of my culture or out of my expectation. I want to discipline them appropriately according to God. All right. And how does that happen? That happens by calling on God and learning to follow the spirit within. Anyway, Christian, this is, uh, this is all wonderful. Uh, but I know we're running a little bit low on time. So I just want to kind of go a little bit further because this living according to spirit is not really just for our own spiritual victory, because then this takes us to Romans 12, and then Romans 13, 14, 15, 16, which really brings out this matter of the body of Christ. You know, I think we talked about this verse in Romans 12, too. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Right. And we're like, OK, well, that just means that, well, the world says you need to do this. So we don't need to be fashioned like the world. And, and just have a, a better thought, right? Or maybe a Christian worldview is what we need. Uh, but if you read the few verses right after, which again, like you said, Christian, we love the Bible. Because if we don't quite know the context, you just got to read the Bible and see what the context is. Uh, Paul says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So what do we need our mind renewed from? Really, we need our mind renewed from thinking we're just independent Christians, having nothing to do with anyone, that as long as we're with God, we're okay, right? And it's important to be okay with God. That's probably the step one. But Paul brings out this matter of, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And Paul and I, in the last podcast, we talked a little bit concerning this matter of, you know, the body of Christ might sound like something easy to understand, something trivial, maybe something, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, we're just members of the body of Christ. But really, Romans here, here really pulls out the importance and significance of the body of Christ. In fact, if we don't see the body of Christ, I would say our Christian experience is incomplete. It's lacking something. So, Christian, do you want to speak more concerning this matter of the body of Christ? 
how having our minds renewed to uh, see the body, um, you know, so on the one hand, as individual believers, we need to have our minds renewed by the word. I need to have the mind renewed, my mind renewed by the word to see that Christ lives in me. And you know what? I need to have my mind renewed to realize that Christ lives in that member. Christ lives in my brother, Tim. Christ lives in uh, my brother, my sister. Christ also is dwelling in them. And um, this is this is tough, uh, Tim. I think there's a lot of opposition to this. Um, you know, we start talking about the body. Satan, Satan is actively fighting against this. It's because he knows if the body, if the body of Christ is comes into reality, then his time on the earth is, is short. Because you know, one function of the body is is it's 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 uh, it's God's kingdom to express God's dominion on the earth and uh, to defeat his enemy ultimately to defeat Satan uh, eventually in, in Revelation twenty one as as the bride. Um, so yeah, I mean, when we started talking about this, I just felt so short you know lord we need our vision expanded so much we need to see more have our mind renewed about the body this is like it's so important um you know and we're still learning <laughs> i think we're all we're all here we're just learners learners and we're open to what the lord is speaking through his word and to be adjusted, um, and uh, it's it's really amazing. Um, you know, you can really feel the Lord and see the Lord working um, in the church when it comes to you know, building up the body. It's uh, it's 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 really awesome. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, amen, Christian. Well, and I think I'll just uh, mention a couple of things concerning this matter of the body of Christ. You know, the first thing that I would say is the body of Christ is not a metaphor. Right? It's not just, um, oh, well, uh, this is kind of the church is like the body of Christ or, you know, you guys being members one of another. Uh, this is how the body of Christ is kind of like, you know, the Paul was very direct in his speaking. He says, you know. Our body, our body is actually a shadow, a picture of the body of Christ, right? And one major characteristic concerning the body of Christ is that it is related according to life, right? When we think of our human body, obviously one of the most um, strong characteristics of it is it's living. It moves, it, it feels, it touches, it it. it speaks you know our body does all sorts of things that um that 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 is according to life and and so when we brought up all these verses in the beginning of romans concerning saved in his life saved in his life saved in his life organic saved in his life this is all the key to living the body of life right is to be 
in Christ and to have Christ dwelling in you. So that's that's prerequisite number one. And that's why the beginning of Romans is so important. You cannot practice the body of Christ or practically if you don't realize what Romans 1 through 12 essentially is talking about, right? You need that life. Uh, The second thing is that I appreciate about the body of Christ is there's only one head, right? So you're not the head. I'm not the head. There's no elected head. We don't vote on the president, you know, being the head or whatever. There is just Christ as the head. And for Christ to be the head, that means I'm not the head, right? And so all these verses we just read about, hey, we need to, um, uh, you know, have our opinions dealt with, have our biases dealt with, have our culture dealt with. All this is to bring us under the headship of Christ. So you can see that Romans 8, talking about this wonderful Christian life, is all prerequisite on how to live a life as a member in the body of Christ. And I would just want to conclude with this as far as you know, my speaking on this, the, member, the body. And it's just like you said, Christian, Christ lives in me. Has accepted me, right? Has brought me into his uh, kingdom, right? Brought me into his family. Um, Christ also accepted you, right? Christ has rebirthed you, right? You're a regenerated, born again Christian, right? And that makes us related in life, right? Uh, however, you know, you bring us together. We're two different people with two different personalities, two different opinions about things, two different life experiences, two different everything. We're two, just two different people, you know, but God through the dwelling of his spirit in us starts to work away those differences so that we can learn to function together as members of the body of Christ. And I like how you brought up in Ephesians, Christian. So Ephesians essentially is kind of like Romans, and it gives you this, this kind of progression. And it ends in Ephesians 6 with what most Christians are familiar with as spiritual warfare. Where it talks about the armor, you know, uh, <clears throat> the armor of God. You know, most people assume that the armor of God is individualistic. Like, I want to put on my armor of God. But if you really read the Greek text... You know, was this, and you put on the armor of God, that is corporate. He's not talking about like you do it and then somebody else should do it. He's talking about the body of Christ putting on the armor of God together for what? To fight spiritual warfare, right? To defeat God's enemy, Satan. You know, how can, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of opinions of, of okay, where is Christians going to get into politics to change all these things so that we can be a, a Christian country? And I mean, okay, that's fine. But the big impact is if we are living as members of the body of Christ and Christ is being expressed on earth today in his members, you won't have to worry about politics. Right, because the testimony of Jesus living again on the earth through his members will be enough to rock the world. And again, that is just how wonderful um, this entire book of Romans is. It's so complete. It gives us 
everything from our individual salvation experience, you know, or we call it organic salvation, all the way to, hey, you are a member of the body of Christ. And I think this is just so wonderful, Christian. So uh, any closing thoughts that you have, Christian? It's a, It's been a wonderful experience getting to get into this book and get into God's word. And, um, you know, I know we get to speak a lot on this, but I just say that we're the first ones saved <laughs> like, getting into this and to speak the good news to ourselves. So, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to whatever's next and um, praise the Lord for what he's doing on the earth today, building his body and gaining, gaining us all. Yeah. Amen. Amen, Christian. Thank you, brother, for uh, working with me throughout this entire podcast series. So I'm excited what's happening next. I guess I should put a, a poll question out there to kind of see uh, what our listeners are thinking. So, But thanks again, Christian, for your time. Amen.